Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. From Mamma Mia, I'm Alfie Scott. This is The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. If you spend any time on social media, you've probably come across videos of child influencers. You guys, come along for the journey of the ultimate Zara haul. You guys, I love these jeans. I love the pearl heart. I love these shoes. So cute. Oh my gosh. They're dressed amazingly, some of them have huge followings, and they can be paid thousands of dollars for posts promoting products online. But where is the money that these children earn from influencing actually going? And should the hours they work be regulated like any other job? A new law was passed in the US this week to protect child influencers and ensure that kids featured in social media videos are compensated for their work. Today, we're going to take a deep dive into those laws and find out whether or not kids in Australia are being adequately protected too. But first, your news headlines for Wednesday, August 23rd. Two bushwalkers who went missing in Tasmania's southwest have been found safe and well. The two men, aged in their 60s, activated their personal locator beacons in the Loddon Range on Monday evening. Crews were dispatched to the area but were unable to persist with the search due to unsafe conditions. With the help of the Westpac rescue helicopter, crews continued to navigate the steep terrain in wet conditions on Tuesday and the pair were sighted at 5pm by the helicopter crew. Sergeant Damien Bidgood said that the pair were rescued by ground crew because conditions were too risky for a helicopter winching, but it was a fantastic outcome for everyone involved. A cross-section of New South Wales MPs have called for an end to shark nets on Sydney beaches as summer approaches. Many coastal councils and conservation groups have called for the nets to be replaced permanently with proven non-lethal shark management alternatives, including drones, smart drum lines and alarm systems. Premier Chris Minns said that he's unsure about emerging shark protection technology being ready to replace nets. But Animal Justice MP Emma Hurst has said the Premier knows full well the nets create a false sense of security. Government data shows that New South Wales shark nets are not effective at catching the target species that are deemed a threat to beachgoers. Instead, most of the animals caught are animals that are protected or threatened under state or federal laws. Japan will start releasing more than 1 million metric tonnes of treated radioactive water from the wrecked Fukushima nuclear power plant into the Pacific Ocean within days. The plan to release the water was approved by the Japanese government two years ago as a crucial part of decommissioning the power plant, but it's faced backlash from local fishing groups as they fear damage to their livelihoods. Japan has said that the water release is safe and the water contains well below the units of radioactivity per litre required by the World Health Organization for drinking water. But neighbouring countries remain unconvinced, with China and South Korea criticising the plan. Beijing in particular is sceptical and says that Japan has not fully consulted the international community about the water release. 
The eSafety Commissioner has warned that generative AI could be used to create child abuse images, promote terrorism and scam people if it falls into the wrong hands. Speaking with the Parliamentary Committee on Tuesday, Executive Morag Bond said that they are looking at the risk of generative AI acts that could potentially lead to child sexual abuse or pro-terror material being created. Generative AI uses machine learning to create content such as text, images and videos. This means that users could enter prompts that create new explicit images of real children or illicit images of children who do not exist. The eSafety Commissioner has also warned of the potential for terrorist organisations to use AI to imitate human conversations and manipulate others to commit crimes or finance terrorist attacks. And a new snapshot into Australia's clean energy investment shows that it is far off track to make its 2030 targets. Data from the Clean Energy Council has shown that Australia's energy storage projects are charging ahead, but overall investment will likely not reach the government target of 82% renewable energy by 2030. Clean Energy Council CEO Kane Thornton said that Australian governments must remove the challenges that make investment decisions for large-scale renewable energy projects more difficult. Thornton said that investors are looking at global opportunities at a time where barriers make Australian projects less attractive. That's your latest news headlines. In a moment, today's deep dive into the world of child influences and how laws fail to protect them. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move, and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. This is the scene. Two young girls are sitting beside each other on stools wearing cool streetwear. They clap and the lights go out, revealing that the trousers are glowing in the dark. They clap again and the lights come back on and the pair pose like tiny models. This is the track that's playing underneath the video and the girls look undeniably stylish. The girls are Mia and Tatiana. They're two child influencers managed online by their parents. Their account has well over 800,000 followers and the video is showing off clothes from Nova Kids, the brand that the two girls are ambassadors for. The girls are among a large number of kids online who promote brands and products and can earn thousands of dollars per post. Lots of these accounts post frequently, have huge audiences, and capture a lot of details of these kids' lives online. But influencing can also be a bit of a grey area in terms of labour laws and protections. Social media platforms like YouTube, Instagram and TikTok have made it easy to sidestep work regulations. And that leaves a lot of questions about how much influencing work children should be allowed to do and where the money has to go. There have been increasing calls from advocates in recent years to crack down on child influencers, with criticism that parents sharing their content are invading children's privacy and compromising their digital safety for monetary gain without informed consent. 
There's also questions around whether or not children can give informed consent to feature in these videos. There have also been extreme cases of child abuse in recent years where social media monetization was the apparent motivation. In 2019, a YouTube channel called Fantastic Adventures was revealed to be run by an Arizona woman who had adopted seven children and was charged with abusing five of them. The children, who were aged 6 to 15 years old, were made to participate in the YouTube channel, which had over 700,000 followers and allegedly made the woman $300,000 in one year. Not all cases of child influencing are this extreme, but stories like this have alerted governments to the possibility of exploitation. Now, Illinois has become the first US state to pass laws that aim to protect child influencers. The legislation, which is an amendment to the state's child labour laws, allows teenagers over the age of 18 to take legal action against their parents if they were featured in social media videos as children and not given their fair share. From July next year, parents who are uploading child influencer content will have to put aside 50% of the earnings for a piece of content into a blocked trust fund for the child, based on the amount of time that they actually feature in the videos. The new law is modelled off laws from Hollywood, which require parents to set aside 15% of child earnings for the performer to access once they're 18. But what else do we need to know about the regulations around child influencing? And do they go far enough? Dr. Catherine Archer is a researcher from Murdoch University specialising in social media. Dr. Archer, are the Illinois laws the first of their kind that we've seen in terms of protecting child influences? No, not exactly. There's been laws introduced in France. I think France was the first place to introduce laws regarding children as social media influences. And they introduced laws to make sure that children received some of the money and also there was the right to be forgotten as well in that law around their privacy going forward. Do you mind explaining what the right to be forgotten is? Where basically their images could be deleted over, you know, past the time that they've actually had been used for commercial gain for themselves and their parents. Why do you think that laws like this are so important? Yeah, so I do think there needs to be some sort of regulation around children as social media influences. As we've seen, you know, almost 100 years ago, they realised that children needed to be protective in the entertainment industry, in the movie industry. And I think we're playing catch up now because children are being often used by brands to promote products and potentially getting paid, but there's no real laws to protect them from what could happen with that. Do you think that social media blurs the lines around labour and can make the concept of working a little bit nebulous? Like, do you think the problem is that we don't really see influencing as work in this context? I think you're absolutely right. It's always been a bit of a grey area and I guess that's why it's been so powerful for brands because we also, when we're viewing it, we don't see it as advertisements. Yeah, so there's definitely that feeling and, you know, some children will get some fun out of helping their parents or being online and potentially promoting things. So it may not be seen as work. There's this sort of blurred concept of play ball where it's labour that's play. But yeah, it is definitely work if you're earning money from it. And certainly it's a huge multi-billion dollar industry across the world. So yeah, the government needs to step up in this space. That was an interesting point that you raised back there where you said that it's like the authenticity of social media content is actually what makes it appealing to brands. Do you think that's kind of where the conflict lies here? 
Absolutely. And yeah, certainly this concept of authenticity and trust, we see people online and we think of them as just ourselves. So it certainly is a blurred area, particularly for children and something that we need to start thinking about as a society because, yeah, it's pretty much crept up on us. I know that you mentioned child acting before when you referred to those Hollywood laws, but can children really consent to influencing work? Should it be seen through the same lens that acting is? No, and I think, well, young children, I guess, weren't necessarily going to be able to consent either to acting if they were three or four when they, you know, that that happens. So especially if children are raised, you know, some children as young as six months old are basically promoting products. So if children are raised in this space, they're not necessarily going to think of it as anything different. We all know that, you know, when you're in the home, you kind of follow what your parents suggest you do. So it is very hard and that idea of consent is quite difficult, but certainly that's where, you know, those sort of things around how much they actually do work per day, all those sort of things might be something that uh, lawmakers need to consider as well. Do you mind talking to me a little bit more about digital safety and the idea of putting children's faces on the internet? Because I think that there is a growing concern that for a lot of people, once they hit the age of 18 and they're able to look back with clarity, they might resent it a little bit having their face exposed on the internet so much as children. Absolutely. So I think parents need to have a think about what they feel comfortable with posting of their children. This concept of sharing sharing of children's images and stories has become quite an interesting topic. But yes, a lot of kids might not be happy about it when they're older. So just thinking really carefully about what you share. But it's hard for parents because there's that privacy paradox where parents get a bit of a kick, you know, they get that positive reinforcement from sharing images of their kids with their family through social media and may not sort of think about the potential harm that could happen from doing that. And it's not all bad. As I said, you certainly, as a parent, you might get a great kick out of or positive feedback and then you want to keep doing it. So, And then potentially some people want to make money from it as well. Can we talk a little bit now about what is happening in Australia in terms of legislation, if there is any, around child influencing? Well, at the moment, there's no legislation around it, but the ACCC only very recently, only in the last sort of month or so, has actually done a working paper to say that they do have concerns around it and it needs to be reviewed. So I think in the next few years, watch this space, but at the moment, there's no legislation that focuses specifically on kids. A few years sounds like a long time in terms it of does. children's I lives. Know. Yeah. yeah, I know. I've been researching sort of social media influence back 11 years now when it used to be called blogging and the things that I was saying 11 years ago we're still talking about now without a lot of uh, net regulation so I think it takes a while for the law to catch up sometimes. Should social media platforms bear any of the responsibility here do you think? Like, Absolutely. Yeah, yes. Should they be seen as part of the employment if a kid is doing influencing work? Absolutely and interestingly enough I think Meta had a kind of summit around children and social media earlier this year because they've obviously realised this could potentially be an issue for them going forward and they need that social licence to operate. So yeah, I think definitely the platforms, because they are commercial entities, they're not in it for our benefit, they're in it to make money really. So we need to think of everyone, we need to think about the children, we need to think about different community members, the advertisers, the influencers themselves. So It's a huge, different, multi-pronged approach that needs to be taken, but definitely the platforms have a role to play. Are you feeling optimistic that the conversation will start happening a bit more off the back of these law changes that we're seeing in the US? 
Yes, I, I am. And I think I'm a member of the Australian Council of Research Digital Child Group that is basically looking at how children can grow up to thrive in a digital world. It's part of our world now. You know, basically saying kids can't get involved is not an option because it is so much a part of everyone's world. But we certainly want to make it a safe place for children as well as adults. The Quickie is produced by myself, Elfie Scott, and our executive producer, Callie Borg, with audio production by Tom Lyon. Thanks so much for joining us. 